As Kurt mentioned earlier, the idea of God as our Father, even though it's central to our thinking, really didn't develop until the New Testament. And when Jesus tells us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, he was making a transition where this close relationship that was available to us wasn't known as well in the Old Testament. What I'd like to do this morning is share some thoughts connected to that. I don't have a text per se. I'll be using plenty of scripture, but I want to draw some of the parallels between fatherhood and the relationship with God and Jesus and just uh, make some observations. You know, the first time through for me, uh, when you're a young father, you're so busy, you don't have time to think big picture things very much. Uh, with my kids mostly grown, I have more opportunity to kind of step back and say, well, what is this fatherhood thing? And I've been chewing on it for a couple of weeks, uh, just some of the thoughts connected to it. But what I'd like to uh, express are a few things. Children are the fruit of love. And that stamp is always on their lives. And when you view them, there is a connection with that. And that, in a sense, draws you into investing into their lives so that they are, in a sense, prepared to benefit all that they can. And then at some stage with that investment, it's time to send them on an adventure and to, to start developing responsibility and freedoms, but also there's a realization, too, that there is a transfer at some point of just saying, you've got this down, it's yours now. And with that, then, is a blessing and an exaltation uh, in that place. But what I'd like to, uh, you know, I, the, the fact that you can look at Scripture and it says that God loved Jesus before the creation of the world. You know, in John 17, 24, you loved me before the creation of the world. This was a relationship rooted in love. When, when our kids came out, there were, you know, you start crying. And for me, it's like, what's this? <laughs> and, and, and it's this happy excitement and you're just thinking, this is the most wonderful thing in the world, this red splotchy conehead. You know, you know it's, it's beautiful to you. Um, you know, if you ask me, is this the most beautiful baby in the world, uh, I'll smile at you. <laughs> and I'll say, it's a beautiful baby. Uh, but the, there's a lot of not beauty connected with that form. And yet it is something in you just says, this is amazing. And part of it is, you came together, the two became one. You shared deepest emotions, secrets, thoughts, history, and physicality. And out of that love came this child. And so always there's that stamp of your love in that person. And when it's working properly, there's always the reminder of this 
closest of relationships and the fruit of that. And so there's always a desire to see it prosper and flourish and to continue on beyond you. So when we're reading of Jesus and the Father and he's identifying himself as Father, we recognize there is a love bond with the two of them that's powerful. At the baptism, this voice from heaven, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. That was the title of my sermon the first Sunday after my firstborn. (laughs) I had to crow, you know. I'm excited about this. God the Father watching his son fulfill what he's called him to do. He's got a crow from heaven. He's got to say, I am happy about this moment. Monotransfiguration, a very similar thing. This voice comes and says, this is my son whom I love. They have that bond, that tight bond as a father with his child. And then with that bond becomes this recognition, I've got to help this child grow. I've got to help invest everything that I know in training. Proverbs kind of puts it this way. It says, don't forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. In other words, I'm going to try to give you everything that I can that will set you up for life. I'm going to try to invest in you in such a way that you're well prepared. Jesus makes this statement in John 5. He says of himself, he can only do what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. The Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. He will show him even greater works. There's this modeling that goes on, and and it's natural with children. It amazes me when I watch your little kids. They're trying to do what you do from, from infancy. They're trying to imitate what you... Somehow they know that it's important that they follow and understand what you're doing. In the same way, you're trying to set the right example and show them how to do things. Why is it we're so eager to get them walking? It only means they're going to get into everything, but something in us just says, this is right and appropriate. Then we want them to talk so that we can hear this, why, 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 why? You know, it, think about it. Are you in that much of a hurry? But, it, you know, there's something in us. It's appropriate for this investment to go on in this transition of knowledge. It says of Jesus, he was chosen before the creation of the world. In other words, he was selected to accomplish certain things. He says in John 5, the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I'm doing, testify that the Father has sent me. 638, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. By the way, the, the strongest reference of, of father and son relationship between Jesus and God the Father, you'll find throughout the book of John. 
Somehow he, he got a hold of that relationship. And in any of the Gospels, that's the one that you would read to see the connection of what they shared. But let's jump over to Hebrews. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he had offered up prayers and petitions, cries to the one who could save him from death. He says he learned obedience from what he suffered. That's kind of that role of, of discipline and saying even in struggle, there's a goal here. There's something to be gained even in difficulty and conflict. John 12, my soul's troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The voice from heaven I have glorified it and will glorify it again. It says the Father is actively involved even in this moment of darkness for Jesus' life. Even when he's stepping into the, the most horrific situation, there's this awareness the Father's not away from that moment. He's not like he's disengaged and say, well, get it done, come back and see me. But he's walking with them through even the death process. With that, there is a goal in mind. And of course, with Jesus, God had a plan, salvation of the world. But it's, it's almost as if they, before, the, before creation, because this is when it was planned, it's like the father saying to the son, you know what, I got something in mind for you. I got an adventure. Got a challenge for you. What about us creating big world, lots of people, we send you to earth and you develop it so that they can become connected with us as family as well. Sounds good, Dad. Let's try it. You know? Well, it's not going to be easy. But we walk through that with our own kids and in some ways I assume that the father is going, I, I need something that's his. Need to establish something that he can excel with. At least that's the way I picture it. With that, there's this declaration that comes in the transition of the father saying, okay, you've done well, and it's yours. Listen to this out of John 5. The father loves the son, has placed everything in his hands. Philippians, use the same mindset as Christ. The very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but rather made himself nothing. In the eighth verse, it says, He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then it says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says, I, he gave him this task. He fulfilled it, and then the Father exalts him. I always took this approach with the kids. If you're old enough to do something and do it well, then there's a freedom that you have to be able to to do this, you know, that I can hand that responsibility to you. If you take care of it in the right fashion, 
then I can release you in this area. It didn't always work out quite as we planned. One of my kids sent to the store, which was about four blocks away, and said, go buy a jar of mayonnaise, salad dressing. Came back home, couldn't find it. Did you ask anyone? No. Go back to the store. Went back to the store, came back home, no salad dressing. Did you ask it? No, I was afraid. Go back to the store. Third trip, brought home salad dressing. I'm going, you are capable now. <laughs> You've passed this test. <laughs> now that opens up a door of freedom and a window. Was it a joyful experience? Not in the initial, for sure. Well, when he said, I want to go to the store and get a pack of gum. Well, you got two legs. <laughs> you know where the store is. You can find it. It's that, that responsibility transfer. And with that, the accompanying freedom and right to, to step into that. There's lots of things that you go through that way. Are you old enough to handle this right? And if you are, then the freedom that comes with that. In this same way, the Father sent the Son... The son excelled at what he was asked to do, and then he's given a name above all names. He's exalted and lifted up. And it, it, it goes, it, it's stated even more. Um, in Revelation chapter 3, he says, to the one who's victorious, and Jesus is saying, if you walk through a similar thing, he says, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. In other words, Father says, you passed the test, we're on the same plane now. Sit down with me. Let's chat. Let's enjoy. Let's see what's in front of us. John 6.40, for this is my Father's will, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. There's an exaltation coming for us as well if we follow that pattern. So I just, I throw that out to you as some thoughts in regard to this father-son relationship and Jesus and the Father. It's children are the product of love and they will always have that stamp reflecting our love. So with that, we want to transfer all that we can for their well-being and prosperity, their success, so to speak. And then comes the releasing time or the transfer when you realize they've got it. They've figured it out. And it's appropriate. I remember the first time that my dad called me father or dad, and in a sense was saying, you make the decision now. It's one of those moments where I go, you got to be kidding. This guy really does trust me. It's that transfer and that awareness, we're here. And then finally, you know, the, the, the blessing in some ways. It's interesting to me that often in the Old Testament, about the last thing you see the dads do is pray blessing over their children. 
In other words, they've seen their lives, they know who they are as people, but they also, through the Lord, are seeing the future and declaring, this is what your life is going to be yet. These are some of the adventures that you're going to be going on without me. These are some of the things that are in store for you. So I put these things out to you and say, do we get it all right? Well, absolutely not. But we target these things and say, this, these are our goals together. These are the things we want to accomplish. We're going to enter into communion. I'm going to ask the guys to help me get that set up. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and have made that confession of faith, then we invite you to participate with us. If you're still wrestling with the claims of Christ and have yet to make that declaration, uh, then I'd say it'd be better if you just waited until it's special for you as well. This is a, a symbolic act of what Christ has done in us, and, and we encourage you just to, uh, to let it be special to you as well. So, There are times when we come to this and we're going, I have not lived as righteously as I want to. And yet again, we're acknowledging his forgiveness and salvation. There are the times we come and we're just going, what a celebration this is. Each are appropriate in the Lord. May your blessing rest. These your sons and daughters. Thank you, gracious Father, for reaching out, for restoring our relationship in you. We ask, Lord, that each one will discover the joy of knowing you as a father. We pray for those that are struggling with lost fathers, fathers that are gone. We're wrestling through with how are they going to be fathers, moms in this day. Pray that your wisdom will fill. The recognition is that you continue to invest into their lives and will give the answers needed. Now, Lord, I ask as each one goes into the community, into their specific fields of ministry, I ask that you give them words of life to speak to others. I pray that their deeds will be fitting with the workings of your kingdom, that they would be loving toward all. I also ask that you would enable them with the supernatural that your kingdom might advance. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.